Okay. Okay. This is Bridges for Music. All the way from Ennerdale, a small town in Johannesburg, South Africa, Sio, an African queen creative sensation, joins us in conversation today. She performed in Langa six years ago and is back here again, this time speaking on her career and journey to becoming one of Africa's first female to feature on Spotify's Equal Ambassador. Let's get straight into it. Yeah, and I just, I just like how um, you managed to kind of, you've, you've written your story and this is how you want to say it. And you say it like mm. that. Like I was, I'm a vocalist and I now I'm switching to, I used to do hip hop and rap a lot. Now I'm switching to um, house, but I'm struggling to like say what I really want to say because there's this house format that you have to follow. You don't. Dun, 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 dun. So when I heard just a taste, I was like, hmm. but you're, you're, you are hitting all the points you want to hit and you're talking about what you want to talk about. You know, like saying the first three things that kind of, like for me, house is like, say this phrase and mm-hmm. then it goes and then a new phrase and then there's three phrases in this whole song and people, you know what I mean? Okay. But yeah. I mean, to each their own. I feel, I feel like whenever I encounter um, an artist who isn't particularly within the house world or is new to it and they come from a different school, mm. I'm also fascinated to see what you would do as you with the sound mm. versus you following the formula of the sound. Because whenever I think of formulas, they just break my brain. Yeah. So I, I'm like, yes, there's a formula. I don't know, bruh. I'm just like, this song is saying, do this. I'll see if it works. Yeah. <laughs> Producer, do you think it works? You sure? You sure, 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 sure. Must I not do anything over again? And mm. like, no, it's fine. So for me, it would always be like, I'd be far more interested in seeing... Like what you do. You rap. But that's the thing. When me, I'm, I don't want to ask... Not that I don't want to ask the producer, but for me, it's like every time I ask the producer... They want to change it, and that's why I like. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, I it's not what I would want to do, but it's like, oh, okay. So since it only, like, this is what works for house or whatever. But I don't think so. I think I think people personally mm. who follow formulas are the reasons why things die. Yeah. And I get that there's a formula. Don't don't get me wrong. But I also feel like there's 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 hell of a lot of room to evolve. Yeah. Um, for example, I caught Charles Webster's attention on a song. That didn't follow a house formula. Mm. There's no chorus in that song. Mm. I left it alone. I'm not humming. There's no background vocal. Nothing. This woman. No. Oh, the one he. The song called "Next to You." Okay. The one that he remixed. So it's got no chorus, and it's his version is eight minutes long Mm. of the song. Well, I mean, I could go the whole time speaking to you like about (laughs) personal stuff, but I think we need to get into. The actual podcast. <laughs> um, so yeah. Can you just put my phones on silent so they don't? No problem. Interrupt and mess up frequencies. Where are they? I just think maybe with ex- with experience, like I'll get the hang of my own type of formulas and how to be, how to like speak that with the producer. I think my relationship with the producer needs to like improve, but that'll happen. Yeah. After some, after time. Yeah, I, or or you just 
do that off the jump so it's not something you have to say sorry for. Mm. Maybe not say sorry. To say that you're apologizing for it is a bit of a overreach for me to mm. say. But for you to just go in as you. The people who will appreciate the, the, the uniqueness. Because honestly, there's people who follow formulas because that's what's safe. And then mm. there's people who can get away with being CEO mm. because they've always been CEO. Mm. True. Okay, so I'm just going to introduce the session. So, um, yeah, welcome to everyone who's listening. Um, this is the Business for Music podcast, and I'm with CEO. What's good? <laughs> um, we're really happy to have you here and the workshop that is happening as well. Um, I've got a question. Mm. My first question is, mm-hmm. um, growing up in Ennendale, how was it? I mean, I'm, am I pronouncing correctly? Ennendale. Ennendale. Just say the Dale. Dale. Dale, no. <laughs> the Dale. Dale no. Um, yeah, so how was it? Did you grow up in a community that had rich music culture or was your music influence more like internal within the family? I think there was a very rich music culture, but I was always an an oddball, I was always an outcast, as as everybody's children kind of didn't like me, so those are the people I was obviously engaged with, so I feel as an adult now with a different lens on things, a child's prejudice comes from their parents, in my opinion, I speak under correction, and if Mm. you are a parent, you are welcome to clap me on the face about it, Mm. but, um, so I was, I wasn't really involved with the other kids in the, in the, in the hood, however, I come from a community where the Manhattans started on Saturday afternoon and played right through till Sunday. The Manhattans, The Temptations, Lionel Richie and that school of music. So we'd know all of those on the weekend. Then I had uncle, I had an uncle who, who played like a lot of contemporary R&B and soul. I had a mother with very eclectic music tastes and a father was also who was very sporadic and seasonal. He'd come in on the seasons he wanted to, and he'd leave on the seasons he wanted to. But he went, when he was around, it was also very eclectic. Like, there was country music, which is an odd one, mixed in with Abba, mixed in with uh, Sade, mixed in with Kenny G and Tony Braxton and Luther Van Ross and Mariah Carey. So it was a, a, a lot, but a very eclectic mix. So very, like... My mother's taste is actually quite wild. So my mom also liked Sting. My dad liked Andreas <laughs> Wollenweider. I was like, okay, let's run with it. So it was very eclectic. And the community is very sort of predominantly colored in its taste. Mm. So very um, old school American R&B soul vibes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then when did you decide to make music like... It's a, I know you I've been reading a lot and you also mentioned um you had a nine to five. Mm. But like when did you decide, okay, no, like I wanna be CEO full on and mm. I wanna do this music thing and this is what I want. I wanna make this my career. I had a dream and I don't even think of it as a dream until it hit me. Um remix situation where Absolute, uh, uh, maybe not absolutely everyone, but a large majority of the people I grew up listening to and I was a huge fan of, like, the Groot Mana, I guess, of the game, remixed a song I'd done with Julian Gomes, who had also was a, who was a legend in my eyes, although we're not very far apart in age. 
actually but he'd been at it so long that I looked up to him mm. and he invited me to do music with him and uh on on his debut album called Late Dreamer because he'd heard a song I'd done with a group from Soweto called Lilac Jeans so we did a song this loved and they heard of me through Next to You mm. which connected me to Charles Love so it's all an ecosystem mm. and a rippling domino effect in a way <laughs> but this a thousand memories got remixed by uh, Fred Everything um, Charisma Oshunlade and Edges I was like hold on what is happening? Mm. At the same time, Luca is telling me that Charles Webster wants to do a remix of next year. I'm like, wait. I'm from NNL, people. What's going on? <laughs> I don't understand what is going on, but mm. that they cared about my voice, that they cared about my story, that they thought I had something unique to offer and a, and a very specific, and again, sorry for the overuse of it, but unique um, story to tell in a unique voice said I could potentially do this full time mm-hmm. and as terrifying as that leap was it's paid off mm. yeah I think a lot of us I mean some people go to school and etc mm. etc and then they're like oh but I think it's you know once you've kind of made the decision while working at a 9 to 5 that's mm. like when you make the final and with that whole kind of inspiration I really understand why you could sort of stamp your name and be like, I want to be in this. Yeah. Um, so, A Thousand Memories featuring Julian Gomez mm-hmm. um, took the house scene by surprise and kind of certified CEO in mm-hmm. the scene, so to say. As I mean, I know personally you've always been your number one certification, what, what? Got you, got you. <laughs> but, like, how was that? How did, did like, how was the response from that um, song and how was being certified or everyone else hearing about you or knowing about you now change your life or yeah just how did it change you ah again that that gave me the faith to it really made me stop and think of music as a as a a serious career choice versus a side hustle It, it made everything else the side hustle just the response to the song, even to this day when I sing it, I don't sing it, everyone else sings it. I just stand there and laugh <laughs> and smile and, and joyously engage. But honestly, it's sang by the crowd because they know it so well. Um, so that just, it, it, it made everything else a side hustle and gave me the confidence to pursue music full time because it showed me people, again, people I admire. Never mind everybody else. And there was a very big number of everybody else. And I was surprised by the response because I was on a, I was on an album with Zion, who I'd also looked up to mm. as a songwriter and as a vocalist. And he's still doing things. But he was on the album too. And I was just like, I'm, I'm here with these people that I used to listen to. And we are peers. What do you mean? Mm. What does this even mean? So, yeah. So that, that gave me the boost. And everybody, a lot of people paid attention to me thereafter because I think I think they feel and I feel a lot of people thought I wrote a song that is very sweet without being cheesy. So it's like, oh, great, thanks. I'm glad you like it. Mm-hmm. I don't expect anybody to like anything I do anyway. So I'm still to this day pleasantly surprised when they do because I do know that I'm not doing anything formulaically. Mm-hmm. I'm also not doing anything that's particularly going to hit 
popular streaming spaces or radio space or just like the pop culture of anything so i'm always pleasantly surprised when people are like that's dope like yes thanks wow Mm. um again you've got like a very strong presence and i love that thank you and your creative your creativity sparks um itself even through your appearance Mm. so how important is presentation for you as an artist and who inspired your unique bold look it's honestly inspired by me being lazy I'm not going to lie, because a full face beat to me just looks like a hell of a lot of work. And I know that there's people that can do that in like 10 minutes and smash it, but I'm just like this layer of this thing and that thing. And I'm like, ooh, ah, I can put lashes on and I only learned like last year how to put false lashes on myself, having been a model. But also I've sat in model chairs and I I know the process and it's never really been a 10 minute fix. Mm. So even just like a very basic face is a lot of work mm. understanding the process mm. and there's people who can bash that and I'm like I don't know the time guys so I, I wanted and there's also it, maybe to call it a form of rebellion is overreaching but to an extent because I can't find another word at this time it is a form of rebellion because because I model and there's there's a connotation of being good looking and modeling and sometimes I just think I'm a weird looking creature that people can put makeup on and kind of sell stuff to and mm. some people actually call me beautiful which is still a difficult thing for me to own mm. but okay thank you um there's an expectation to be a certain kind of pretty and present myself in a way that is palatable and beautiful and 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 comfortable and i because i was bullied as a child and i've i've um it's it's almost part of my my nature now to mm. to rebel against what people expect so it's just me doing makeup my way it's graphic it's interesting it's just in terms of the makeup it's graphic and it's interesting and i'm not sexualizing myself and i've i've had this conversation and i'm it's still something i'm grappling with as a woman mm. because there's an expectation because one you're a woman and if you're a model and people consider you good looking there's an extra level of um people wanting to impose sexiness as they know it mm. onto you and up just like as soon as you impose I, I, I duck mm. and I do my own thing um, and I don't want to sexualize myself and it also took me a very long time to, to present seal to everybody and share seal with everybody like even when I had done 1000 memories even right up to forbidden not many people knew what I looked like and that was a conscious decision. Mm. And then when I decided to do my own album, I was like, okay, people are going to have to look at me in the face and yeah. know who I am and it's me, mm. right? Know who I'm from and know my story. That's when I started to share it a lot more. But I was very comfortable letting the work speak first before I presented myself. So I didn't have to conform to a lot of the things I'd seen imposed on females within the music space. Then I also just, like, and power to you, if that's what you're about, that's on you. This is just me. But, like, there's a lot of women who are also overtly sexualize their bodies and have that being a selling tool. And I feel, for me, I'm uncomfortable to do that. I'm afraid of doing that because I've, I'm fearful that you're not going to be listening to me because of the music. Mm. You're going to be interested in my body. And I don't want that to be a selling point for what I do. Mm. Um, and that may not be the case for a lot of women, but 
I remember at this job I'd, I was in that we spoke about, the the boss knew that I was into music and, and she, female, because it's a gate-kept patriarchal concept, was like, no, it's cool, let's make a demo and we'll shoot you because it was a stills production company and we'll put you in um, thigh-high boots, a mini skirt and very sexy makeup. And I'm like, it's that deep. So I want to go against that. And if you care about me, you care about what I'm saying. You'll care about the music. And I'll look weird on purpose. So you're just like, she pretty, but it's weird. So I don't know what to do with it. So there's a lot of essentially armor mm. in, in my presentation and the boldness of it. So you, it's, it's eye-catching. And I'm grateful that's working. Um, so that works. So there's a viability in the image, which is also another unfair thing because I feel women have to care a hell of a lot more about how we look and how we present ourselves within music spaces because the game is male and run by men. And we have to pander to patriarchal systems set in place before we were even born. Mm. And as try as we might to fight it, it's going to take generations after me to really see that kick into gear and shift but we also play towards it so the guys don't have to care bro the guys come through wearing what they're wearing some people really don't give a damn and a, a very bad example is when what was it the global citizen concert came to Soweto mm. and I saw not necessarily saw but it's just the same Beyonce came yeah. And Ed Sheeran came and they pulled the same numbers where Ed Sheeran looked like he rolled out of bed last week <laughs> and we don't know if he had a shower or not. Whereas Beyonce, there's a, her image in and of itself mm. and her physical presentation, is a, is a, there's a whole team just for that. And there's the music team in the choreo. You know, there's a lot that she's got. There's a machine going on. But like, she has to... I don't know if she, she'd be able to be Beyonce without... The team and the beauty and the and all of the things that men go, oh, she's pretty. Mm. We can sell her because mm. as a woman, you expect it to be a beautiful thing to sell. So, it there's a lot behind the look. Okay, well, I'm happy to hear that. Mm. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm just um, I I I could tell that maybe there is something behind. It's not just because you felt like you want to wake up in the morning. Okay, maybe part so, of that yeah. too. <laughs> I'm lazy. I'm not gonna lie. I'm lazy. Yeah, Just... part of that too. But I mean, like I can hear the, especially the armor part. Like it's actually something that it is quite serious, and it is something that women, I think, have to think about more sometimes. And sometimes we're not thinking. It's just yeah. because it's there that we do it, and be, and it's all like all of the other girls are doing it. So subconsciously, subconsciously yeah, yeah. And I'm like, nah, nah. Not, not today. Like, not like everybody else for the sake of it. <laughs> um, so, I thought you were like a full-on producer. Like, when mm. I heard you mention that you're a producer, but you don't want to own that yet. No. Yeah. No, I haven't done enough to call myself a fully-fledged producer, no. So then I scratched that out of my question. <laughs> and I was like, as a musician, poet, singer... And DJ. Mm -hmm. I believe you. I've seen you play. And I think you're a DJ. Not what you said earlier on. Um, and I feel like you have full capacity of your creativity in like all those aspects. Thank you. Um, so I respect that. And you're also equally professional as well. So I want to know what motivates you to ensure that through all those like different 
my English is bad. That's it. That's fine. Yeah. Whatever language, if I can understand. In, <laughs> in all those facets, like, how do you make sure that you practicing how to mix, you have a mix going or whatever, and you, you're writing as well, and you are also doing your, I mean, writing and writing is kind of the, not mm-hmm. the same thing, but. Yeah. So how do you make sure that you're motivated to keep practicing, so to say, all those different aspects? Or do you usually take it, like, As they today, come. I feel like, yeah. I don't know. I think it's a, it's a mix of both. Like, I am, you know, I don't know, bad example, again, would be how, you know, gym bunnies talk. Like, they want to get the six-pack, so they know they, 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 they create a goal. That they want to hit and maybe that's like a fitness contest or competition where they're like okay now i really have to clean up my act um with me it's a bit of both so i i'll, I'll focus on something um depending on what i need to do sometimes i'm i'm highly inspired and i'll just write because there's a there's a sense of inspiration or i'm in the mood to mix and practice i'm always so busy so i'm always working on my craft in some capacity Anyway, and COVID taught me the length of a day. So I wrote... Shasi actually wrote a lot, eh? Uh, last year, I think I wrote five books worth of things because I was sitting. Wow. And there's no one around me. There's no distractions, no noise. So I wrote two two poem books and I wrote three novels. Mm. And one of them I've converted to a script. Just for me. Because I'm interested in other time. So discipline. Sometimes I have to do stuff I really don't have less to do. Like, I really don't feel like doing it. Mm. But I'm always motivated, especially when I have a, a gig. So that helps me. Um, and sometimes it's just like, yo, that last gig was so bad. I need to do better next time. What do I need to work on? What are the notes I give myself? And what are other kind of notes I can take from my peers and the people working with me on stage if I'm performing with a band, if it's by myself, just recalling the notes and I, I use um, stories as a very good guide like guide I'm like mm-hmm. okay that sounded weird what can I do to fix that that looks weird what can I do to fix that so just watch people's stories of me at performances because that's feedback so I'm like ah ooh, you okay <laughs> yeah that's not bad so it depends so yeah I don't know if that answers you but like so it's, it's a mix of a lot of things sometimes I have less and I'll just do it because I have to, I'm in the mood and I'm, I'm, I'm a creature and a creative that works off of inspiration 90% of the time. But if I have to just knuckle down and grind without the inspiration, I'm also quite disciplined enough to do stuff. However, let me book a gig. And I'm like, you know what? Focus. And it's easier. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier than doing it when there is no incentive. Almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, speaking about like hustling and you know getting very busy and getting booked and stuff. Mm. Um, your music, your writing is very spiritual. Mm. I feel. Um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. But how do you then keep your energy within um the midst of everything? So you know, meeting new people, meeting people, and having to gig and. Like, do you lose any of your energy and how do you maintain it so that when you have to write, Girl. when you have to, you know? Girl, there's so many things I've put in place to to, to safeguard my energy. Because, mm. like, I'm an empath as mm. a person and that just means that I'm very sensitive to people's energies in general. Which I think 
most like 99% of artists are doesn't matter which form of art you're engaging in you are sensitive to people's energies mm. um other people don't cope with it well and they turn to substances to help them cope i have to i'm very giving of my energy when i meet with people and i i used to have an rbf uh, in public because i didn't like people groping and touching on me in town when i needed to use a taxi and stuff but mm. i let that go because it became it became a thing of oh you're see and I, I had to adjust my face and that was embarrassing so i'm just like let that go so that was a defense mechanism i had to let go of and then it got difficult again to to and to move through the world until i figured certain things out and i was just like okay i need to i can't do too many and this isn't even really a thing when i have a busy week and i'm meeting a lot of people and and working on things i need a day thereafter to do absolutely nothing and be a couch potato and recharge be dirty decide if i'm going to brush my teeth or not kind of the couch potato day i call it a shrek day i need a shrek day so i can just shrek the whole day eat whatever i want do whatever i want and just lay there mm. that helps me recharge i need time on my own to recharge and like i also as a writer i write not necessarily best but i prefer to write on my own and then share afterwards um i also have realized just in terms of all of the spiritual things or the nature of all things living whether it it is alive right now or not even in terms of fabric how things have energy. So I don't wear black on stage if I'm singing specifically because black is an absorber of things it's a shade. So I'm like I don't want to take your energy home with me. Mm. And I know that you're hectic, so I don't want to take you you coming here and I don't know what your week has been like. It's a Friday or a Saturday, it's a weekend. You may have had a hard week and you need to offload and you're coming to groove to offload and I happen to be the person in front of you. Or you probably very mischievous and you want to do nonsense there's very few people who come to to groove just for the music and i know mm. them and you can see them clear minded just open hearted and other people are there to take some people are also there to dump um and i i wear white on purpose because white's reflective and deflecting for me so mm. it's easier for me so i don't feel as drained as i do if i wear different colors i know it's weird but all of these things help me mm. i do a lot of prayer i do mm. a lot of like even in the shower i do like a, a cleansing prayer over myself after after gigs just to like not only cleanse my body but just the energy because that's what water does mm. for me so there's a lot they do a lot burn incense burn sage pray wear crystals wear oils yeah it's a lot because <laughs> people are people are hectic yeah If you want to listen to these conversations live and have access to this incredible community, you can join us at our physical campus, the Bridges Academy in Langa, South Africa. A revolutionary learning space where you will find courses on music, entrepreneurship, film, DJing and much more. For more information on how to apply, visit bridgesacademy.org. So, I mean, you spoke about Project 5 a bit mm. on um And I just wanted you to explain a little bit about how it came about. Okay, so I am from Anadol, and all of the boys in Project Five, except for one, actually. So three of the four of them, or rather five, four of the five of us entirely, were from Anadol. One of the other boys was from 
Meadowland Soweto. So we we met because two of the guys, namely Jabulani and Bongani, um, knew this girl that I used to be friends with, and they did a song with her. She's she stunning voice, beautiful husky, raspy, mm. Lila James kind of voice. And she did not want to do music, but she'd done a song with them and she's not really a songwriter, so she didn't like what she'd created. And they, one of them was studying engineering and the other one had dropped out of, of, of music school. And Bongani specifically had a beat and Jabwe just bought a studio mic um, in his house for his room. So she called me um, and said, listen, these guys, this one's got a beat, this one's got a mic, don't you want to write? Because you can actually write songs, mm. not like me. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, shop. Uh, and we took like a 10-minute walk from Miles, which is in extension 10, and Adele to extension 5, mm. to, to Jabu's house, Bongani and I. And we we wrote, this was like on a Friday afternoon, we wrote um, Love Mirrors, which is a single from that project and yeah. then by the end of the weekend so we came back on Sunday we didn't do anything on Saturday but we came back the Sunday and we had I think four songs I can't remember all of them but like we did all four songs that weekend and then they went shopping because they knew the people and then a few weeks later they're telling me that Pink Africa was interested in the project I was like yeah oh okay <laughs> and then Jabulani and Tabo, and Tabo happens to be the guy who's from Middlelands, mm. um, did music together. So they had a different style to Project 5 entirely because all of the producers would have to contribute in some way. Mm. So they were working on stuff together even before Project 5 was formed and they formed Marubini Music and um, invited me to do two songs, namely Dance After 12 and... I remember the lyrics and the melodies. <laughs> but, like, I can't remember the song because I said, oh, my gosh, I've done so many, actually. But, like, that EP and that got signed to FOMP UK as well. And I'm just like, the wow. English people like us. <laughs> yeah, and then that, that, that happened to get a lot of years. So that's that's how that started. Okay. Um, and then with Charles Webster, I mean, mm. there's a lot that, yeah, in your career that he's kind of or it seems like he's kind of put you under his wing a bit and showed you um the ropes so to say but how has it been like when he from that first call that you got from him like girl i was doing i was was doing a whack job as a product in-store service announcer for game at the time so i'm sitting at the front desk on a saturday miserable hating my life (laughs) talking about how the crazy, crazy fridge. There's a fridge and there was a TV, the curved TV that everyone had at the time. Mm. And they were all on some, oh, it's only 12,099 rand. And I'm like, only? In my head, I'm like, that's not only, that's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> but I have to say that every time. So I was sitting at the front desk and Luca sends me a mail saying, Charles Webster wants to work with you. I'm like, you lie. <laughs> and then it's like, can I give him your details? I'm like, yeah, sure. Liar. Um, and Charles instantly um, emailed me and he's like, he likes what I did on Next to You. He thinks I'm a cool writer and he'd like to work with me. I just about fell out my chair. Uh, and everyone was like, why is she in a good mood today? I'm like, oh, 
guys like yeah it, it broke my brain so that was that was it and then we worked on the songs that he released five years later <laughs> um, but he'd been working on them for some time during the period we met so it was really dope and one of them is Woman which is my favourite song no that one is actually later that's for my album we worked on stuff for his album and we did um sure I can't remember the names now uh the first song of his album and the fourth one so yeah I remember the melodies today my brain's not working but I'll send you I'll send you <laughs> a, a list but yeah we did those and then we did Woman and Aquamarine for my album as a swap because we'd swapped um, and just to get into a woman, um, what inspired you to kind of take that route? I know that um, there's a... I think at the time, I think gender-based violence was also quite it's rife. Mad. I mean, it's always been yeah. a situation, but I felt like it was a bit rife at the time. So the song, for me, was kind of like a soothing sort of anthem that it motivated me a lot and mm. um kept me and i was djing at the time as well so i just loved play i always like playing still today Thanks. but yeah so like what inspired you to kind of take that well there was narrative? that yeah yeah as you're saying there's a lot of it, i don't think it's been rife i think it's always been rife but because we were inside with nowhere to go and mm. we were on our phones a hell of a lot at the time and i don't think mm. it was that there was lockdown season one yes <laughs> COVID season one, the first version. Yeah. Um, so we'd all just gone into our homes and we were very insulated and um, on our phones and everything was just amplified yeah. because it's here. We're not getting a break from it. We're not like going to do something else and then coming back to it. It's not on the news for 30 minutes for the night. It's there mm. all the time. So I was like, I've also been, um, I'm also a... So I don't want to call myself a survivor, but men have done shit, excuse my French, mm. to me from childhood right through my life. Mm. And I was getting tired of seeing it. I was also getting tired of seeing racism rife worldwide in this day and age. And I'm like, aren't you bored yeah. of it? Also, I was in a place where it just felt like being a woman is my first crime. And I didn't even choose it. Um, and how... Is parcelized even a word? How a woman can be shunted from person to person, from a father's surname to her husband's surname, and she is a daughter or a sister or a worker or a mother or a lover, but who is she? Who is she? Like, what is her definition of herself? And I did not know a woman who didn't speak of herself, who spoke of herself outside of the definitions of those parameters like she's someone's daughter mother sister f- friend lover wife mm. but who is she to herself and it, that, nobody could answer that not a lot of women did and i was like wow we aren't ourselves for example so that it came from a lot of those places and hearing all of the rubbish women were going through at the time and how much reports we got to hear and see of of women being perpetrated and violated by men who are angry and don't know how to deal with their emotions in a healthier way Mm. and grew up in households that teach them what manhood is and the the violent manhood which I don't believe is true so it comes from that place and I just felt like I'm tired of not feeling like I'm my own guys It doesn't Mm. feel safe, and it still doesn't. It's not like it's improved since that time. But I felt like that was just something I needed to say. 
Okay, that also gave me goosebumps also. So now when I play the song again, it'll have like an even greater impact. Thank you. Again and again. <laughs> um, your song with um, Dawson, Nobody mm-hmm. Else, okay. took the best music video at the Dance Music Awards South Africa. Mm. So you star in the video as well. Yeah. And it's, I just wanted to know, was it directed by you? Like, did you have a lot of input when it comes to, because I mean, I can tell that you're super creative. <laughs> And yeah, something is telling me that yeah. No, I I didn't like um, uh, platoon at the mm-hmm. time. I had gotten in touch with Dawson's management. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I speak under correction, so I think it was management at the time. I don't know if they still together. But Black Major was managing uh, some aspect of Dawson's music life, and uh, I I wasn't initially supposed to be the vocalist and nobody else I, I'd written the song so he could find another vocalist but he couldn't find anyone so I was like okay fine I'll sing it it's alright <laughs> <laughs> um, and then when the video came around they, they wrote a story and it was very sexualized and I was just like hey guys no wrong person mm. we're not doing sexy sexy mm. sorry um, and even aesthetically they also wanted me to be a very sexy person because they thought that Dawson is a beautiful man which he is and they think that I was cute, so I was like, eh. Um, and, and they wanted us to be naked, so it was quite awkward, but no, we didn't. We I didn't have any sort of right um, directive in terms of the, the music video. But I but because because the story they presented was really cool, and it made sense to the story of the song, so it was like, makes sense. So, yeah. Okay. Mm. Um, and then going back to your other facet. Mm poetry mm-hmm. um the twilight child mm. and slash the dawn of night which is your recent it's the first one first one yeah first book yeah um who is the twilight child and does the twilight child unfold him or herself in co it's co it's just a, a poetic expression of me that's where the music comes from and they feed into each other now. But initially, the, my ability to tell uh, stories with words. And back then, I used to call myself a painter of mm. words. Um, because it was it was very descriptive. And I did go to theater school for a little bit um, and graduate from the Market Theater Laboratory. So it's kind of like um, that spot. But we did theater. And like I, I, I said during my entrance audition interview that I wanted to learn how to craft stories that's why I'm here um and I uh, the class I cared the most about was writing class mm. um so we had different kinds of writing teachers but like there's one specifically where I, I I cared a lot about what this man had to say and it took me a long time for it to click uh, in terms of like the storytelling thing and then when I brought myself into his sort of formula um in, in the script writing aspect and storytelling in that way um, everybody's critique of me was always you can paint a picture with words so then it started to because I'd been writing poetry at that point for like five years or something um, so I could paint with words so the music then I take a lot of my rhyming ideas and, and, and stories and imagery from the poetry, which I still do, mm. and put that in the song. But now I also put a lot more song aspects into the poetry because my poems are a lot shorter. 
mm. compared to what they used they used to be. I used to write pages and pages of poems. Like one poem would be like four or five pages long. So it's gone down to like a page, half a page now. Because that's the influence from music. So it's an ecosystem of seal. Oh, All of okay. it is me. It's just, I just thought a different name would be cool. And I used to call my poetry alias, even though nobody knew it, was the Twilight Child. So I just kept the name. Oh, hmm. okay. I thought that the maybe could were different. So like nice. A, nah. It's Same. my leg. <laughs> um, and then, like, recently you were made, I think it was last year, 20, I'm not sure, but you were made Spotify's equal ambassador mm. with, and your billboard was in um, Times Square. Mm. How did that feel? And, like, to be recognized on such a high level and knowing that you're kind of putting Africa on the, well, not kind of, you're putting Africa and African women on the spot. That was incredible. Like, I, I I was approached by them. Kit Funk and I were approached by um, Spotify. It was this August? Yes. Yeah, this August, August 2022. Um, yeah, so they, 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 they spoke. And he came to me and he's like, no, Spotify is interested in something. I'm like, oh, I went on about my life. I didn't think anything of it. And they're mm. like, no, you're the ambassador of Equal. I'm like, what does that mean? And then they broke that down. They went through my catalog. They went through my story. They mm. went through like who I am as and what I represent. And I made sense to them just because of who I am, what I do. And I was just like, that's wonderful. Thank you for, for seeing me and allowing me to be myself in a way that I feel comfortable in without mm. compromising me and staying true to myself. Um, and saying that you're good enough for us to pay attention to and share with the world broke my brain. When I saw the the billboard, I cried. Tears oh. of joy. Like, I've never cried happy tears in my life, ever, until the day they sent me the pictures and the video of myself lighting up. Wow. Square. I was like, no, this isn't even a dream I dreamed for myself, but yeah. I, I receive with big love and gratitude. So it was incredible. Wow, mm. like really, because I mean, on an African scale, not just, you it's know, mad. South Africa. It's yeah, mad. it's mental. Meaning that there's like more and more dreams that are going to unravel and that yes. are going to be big. We okay. manifest it. We receive, we receive. <laughs> One of the people who see that can see that a girl from Anaril can do it, then everybody else can. Yeah, I didn't even know there was a place called Anaril. Anadale. Anadale. Just get the Dale right. <laughs> just say the Dale. The Dale, don't hurt your feet. Yeah, and then... Um, Torn tapestries. Yes. Blood and water. Hey! Been, there's a lot going on here. Eh? Too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too much. It's a lot of darkness also in the titles now <laughs> when I think about them. They're quite visceral. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, on a blood and water aspect, um, was that something that you, was the project something that you did knowing that you're going to work on something with blood and water or did the blood and water um, offer come once the... The it album was is out. out. Yeah, it was more the second. I'd, I'd start, Dave and I sat down together because we were speaking with, um, like, there's a lot of ideas I had at the time. This is COVID season two, still 2020. Um, <laughs> so at the time, I was just like, I want to do a house album and flip the script on everything. Like, I want, as the vocalist, to be the lead artist and feature the producers. And all of the producers on that project were like, hell yes, we want that. And then I, I thought of, um, all of the ways that my features as me, a woman, me, a woman of color, me, a woman of 
we've got a colored mother and a black father and what that's made me go through has caused me and then mm. also like the perception of me being beautiful and the toxicity that people sometimes put on beauty that people mm. who are not beautiful don't hear about because you're supposed to be grateful that you're beautiful and there's so many doors that open to you but you don't see the toxicity that sometimes gets plastered on us so like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna put my features on 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 on, on the spotlight and talk about them then i had that idea and then at the same time i thought i want to do like a another album akin to my debut album mm. and uh, I thought of, of working with Dave but I was in a very heartbroken place with Torn Tapestries and it's the name even is um, inspired by ironically Twilight Saga Eclipse because there was a line in there where the writer aka Bella says um, my life is a tapestry and it's like a carpet and it's very, I'm paraphrasing, mm. it's very bland, it's very beige. It's full of these beige lines and these beige occurrences and these beige threads, but there are instances of gold and ruby that mm. have been woven in by all of the certain people and, and occurrences and things. And I was like, that's a beautiful thing, and I held on to it. After I'd read the book years and years later, so that stayed with me. And then I thought, my life is a tapestry. A lot like a carpet and it. I'm still weaving it as I go through my life. Mm. And every encounter and person is a thread through it. Some threads are very long and they make very intricate details. And some people just want to rip their threads out and tear themselves out of my life. So all of my heartbreaks are those torn parts of my tapestry. Yeah. So it's like, okay, cool. I'm keeping that as a name. So that's where that comes from. So I decided to do that and Dave got it. Like, because Dave was with me. Uh, in the heart of the breaking of my heart um, <laughs> we were touring my debut album subtexts together and he saw me heal he saw me broken he saw me flat so mm. he knew the story inside out upside down in, in every other angle mm. um, so he got it when I said I want to I wanna cry on this album but then when we got into studio there was no such thing it was one of the happiest, easiest, most joyous experiences. And again, like I've said before, we recorded that entire album in two days. So it was quick because we knew each other and we'd worked with each other and we it was just easy as breathing. And we had a hell of a lot of fun making it. And everything was done on the first take also because I didn't want to wow. overthink things. I was just like, no, leave it. Mm. We were tracking the ideas. And then when we came back to it, uh, Dave would be like, we need to redo this. And I'm like, nope, we are leaving that click track in the song, leave it alone, and stuff like that. So Blood and Water came afterwards, after the release of the album this year, um, after we decided to release it, and then we did that. And I liked the song, so I'm grateful. It's really dope to be on the show. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's been an amazing conversation. Thank you. And I really appreciate your time. Yeah. I know he just walked in to call you for like two minutes. Okay. But I have one more question. Sure. And we'll probably cut it over here. Yeah. And then start it when you answer okay. when I ask the question. But I just wanted to know, to any, like, aspiring, not aspiring, to any female that wants to stand their place and... Oh, I hate it when people do that. But anyways, <laughs> um, any female artist that wants to stand their ground in a space of... Male, in a in a studio of male dominated space. yes male dominated space yeah. 
what advice would you give just to yeah what advice would you give i'm really it's like a personal ask no yeah um learn to play the game like them then play it like them as a girl that's very convoluted but watch how they move to pay attention to to the strategies their their manner of doing things and then once you understand that then understand how and however comfortable you are to play to your advantage and the person i'm going to use as an example who does a thing i'm never going to do maybe i will god knows but i don't <laughs> think i am is nadia nakai mm. nadia understands that men like her body mm. and she weaponizes that for her benefit mm. though it's still playing to to the game but she's doing it on her terms understand because she understands the psychology of why they want to do that i also understand it i'm not brave enough i don't feel comfortable enough mm. to do that but then understand even in 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 my undertaking of features i was like oh so the producer is the one that gets the highlighted spot the producer is the one that gets the the name credited first on apple music mm. at the credit section the producer is the one that books the gigs more because he DJs what do i need to do do the same thing that they doing but then do it the way that you've been gifted so i can't produce i can sing so i'm going to do it as a singer so understand for me whatever the industry is understand it and then pay attention to the way the boys right at the top do it and then tweak it to suit you as a woman and then use your femininity as a unique selling point and as your power because you're a girl so you have that over them because they don't have it you get yes does that make sense yes okay well thank you <laughs> come to the end of the podcast i think they're going to probably add like a thing over here this thing yeah So that's why I don't like I'll add like a part to the podcast and okay. all that. Cool. But that was amazing. Thanks. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as we do making them. Remember, if you'd like to attend any of these workshops live, enroll in any of our upcoming programs. To support the work we do, you can find more information on bridgesformusic.org. Please don't forget to subscribe as we'll be bringing new inspiring conversations soon. Until next time, keep safe.